Welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories from people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. Good afternoon and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that inspire you to create yours. And today I have with me the beautiful Gail Loveshock. <laughs> Hi everyone, lovely to be here. Gail and I have been having a giggle before we started this one. So yeah. I said to her that she's going to be my giggling episode. But <laughs> um, To introduce you to Gail, Gail is a lioness of leadership. I love that. Um, a modern teacher and writer in spirituality. So, Gail, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a total pleasure, and thank you for the introduction as well. Much appreciated. And we are actually neighbours as well, which makes it even more exciting. We live in the same town, don't we? I know we do, and I and I and I love that. And I know we'll talk more about this, but the the synchronicity of the universe is never is never in error. So it's um it's yeah it's no mistake that that's ended up happening. Yeah, that we met and had you know a lovely coffee, and now we're sitting having this conversation. So I'm happy about all of that, basically. <laughs> Absolutely, and you will get to hear later in the interview. But Gail has the most amazing transformational journey, which is obviously why I wanted her to come and talk to us today. Um, but Gail, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do in the world and what your work is? Yeah, of course. Of course I can. OK, settle in, get a cup of tea. Uh, no, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be quick. Tea, tea, is, tea is there. So um, so right now what I'm doing um, is working. I mean, traditionally, I'd be referred to as a coach or a mentor. I'm very much, uh, very much working with the majority of women who are really either in a place, um, and I do work with some men as well, but it has to be said it's predominantly women. But I do, um, we're working with people like you're probably out the starter gates, you know, you've probably spent maybe a good five or 10 years on yourself, you know, you'll have read lots of the usual movers and shakers like Daniel LaCourt, Gabrielle Bernstein, Marie Forleo. You know, you'll have done Marianne Williamson's, you'll have done the work, but you'll be wanting something a little bit more which is essentially where the, where the lioness of leadership um, kind of title comes from, because that's, that's me kind of lion-hearted. And essentially, I'm running alongside you in the kind of gladiator ring of life, uh, said, with the most care in the world, just really egging you along, making you, you know, kind of confident in your changes, just with it, you know, kind of just getting you settled into this new version of yourself, knowing that it's safe to trust, knowing that it's safe to have faith knowing that it's safe to listen to the whispers and the muses, 
And for me, it's also about winning any of that BS, those old myths. You know, it's not necessarily even about winning limits, because I think we use that word a little bit too much, a little bit incorrectly these days. I think we've got genuine concerns about whether we do have capability, capacity or confidence mm. to do things. And my job is helping us work out if you do, you know, and then I, the way I'm doing that is I'm working in a one-to-one scenario or I do a lot of gigs and speaker gigs and lush up retreats as well and then essentially what I want to do is kind of really explore where you are now I want to really experiment and understand exactly what's happening in your life what's led you to this point and then I really want to understand where you want to be and if it is in fact the truth of where you want to be or if it's where you think you should be mm. versus where your heart or again the guides the universe God love is telling you that you want to be as well so my job is essentially holding very sacred space for you to feel like you can speak your truth and and that you've got total voice freedom in amongst all of that and I just really want you to be able to live yeah that lioness hearted life that's just completely you know rich and that you're weaving your life golden and Mm. that you're feeling and secure in any changes that have to be made and sometimes no changes have to be made and actually everything's a-okay and um and some of my clients just really want to learn a deeper practice or a deeper connection to the self I mean ultimately you know you'll know this as well but you know we are our guru it's not um nobody else is our mm-hmm. guru and actually they're our best teacher and as well my work kind of brings us into that sacred space to be able to move from what I call the voice beef, which is when we can't talk. And we'll, I'm sure we'll, you know, converse a little bit more about that later. Yeah, just mm. through that real enigmatic, transformative space. Essentially, I want people to live radical contact with life. I want you to experience the most radical contact and I want to create the best conditions for every single person I come into contact with to cultivate cultivate your very own magnificence and that's you know that's what I and yeah Mm. and are you fine it sounds to me like you have really found your niche in the sense you're finding there's a particular type of individual that's drawn to you yeah it's interesting I used to basically say it wasn't possible for me to have a niche because essentially I was like like if you're human you're in you know (laughs) (laughs) you know we don't um yeah we don't turn people away at the love shock house (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like everybody's welcome there's a there's an i'll remember that i know where you live <laughs> <laughs> there's room for all here yeah i mean i think you know i'm i'm, I'm working with a really wonderful um you know, brand mentor Lucy Sheridan at the minute. And she and I are actually kind of, we're really honing this conversation around what the, you know, where my community is essentially and, and who they are. And I, I do, I think there's, de- there's definitely a warrior spirit. There's a fighter spirit. And I think, you know, kind of when I first started, there was maybe, um, I don't mean, and please, I don't mean this derogatorily at all, but I think there was maybe like a wounded spirit. So people kind of, and, and having been a victim of certain things myself, which I know we'll, you know, we'll talk about, mm. you know, um, that I was also healing. I was healing my wounds. You know, I was really, really, you know, kind of looking deeply into what had happened over, you know, my entire life, but a very specific kind of 10 year period as well. And, you know, I think what, yeah, what was happening is, yeah, there was this kind of recovery, if you will, there was this, you know, yeah, this kind of wound that needed to be healed. 
almost a fallen healer if you know if that makes sense as well so people kind of um you know kind of maybe they've practiced they've had like six reiki sessions um and you know they've probably been to a couple of conferences they've definitely read hay house books they maybe have had their chakras and auras read and that stuff but they're not really diving deeply into anything whereas now what i'm really seeing and i think as a reflection of my own devotion to this work and the trust in the work that I do in helping people and solidifying what's possible for people, that actually what I'm getting are really mature, quite powerful men and women who, although they might be in pain, they really recognize it and they recognize that it can be healed and they can move on from it. Mm. And I think that's the differentiation. So I think, yeah, I think this is much more the kind of warrior. So they've had their fights. They've probably been the assassin as well for a want of, you know, like they've probably burnt some bridges. Um, you know, they'll be, yeah, they'll have had their adventures for sure. And, you know, life is pretty good and they know it can be better. Mm. And I think that's what's really wonderful to see is that what I'm, what I'm really feeling into is like this wonderful quality of life that's occurring you know that people have say financial freedom set aside to be able to work with and employ a coach or a mentor in a way that's really useful to them because let's be honest I mean what I can do in three sessions would probably save you two years of therapy you know and you know because it's just this slightly different modality albeit that it's that it is different and I'm not a therapist and that's a really important part of the journey too but it's that thing of people recognizing you know, such as yourself or I or other coaches and, and mentors that you can spend three or six sessions with someone and you've got that for life, you know, and that's that's essentially what I want. I want, you know, the people that are coming to me, I want them to come and get really full. I want them to be really full of themselves in a way that we've been untrained to mm. be. And then I want them to take that fullness and just keep filling up, you know, keep topping up all the time, all the time, so that they run on a full tank. And when that tank isn't full, instead of borrowing from what I refer to as like the energetic credit card or overdraft, mm. they're just they're powering down and listening to their bodies and not doing what I did when I used to be a producer and was working in fashion three years ago which was essentially you know yeah ending up in the back of an ambulance having my mobile phones prized out of my hands whilst my body shut down um, and having you know an experience that made the devil wears Prada just look like nursery school really <laughs> So, yes, absolutely. I think we should definitely talk, tell our audience a little bit more that. So when Gail and I met for coffee locally, she was telling me her transformational journey. And I was like, oh, my God, you were literally the devil in like the devil wears Prada. So yeah. can you take us back? Can you take us back yes, to your yes. kind of early career and explain how you've ended up where you are today? Yeah. So that's yes. really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, my um, my original incarnation if you will was actually I trained as um I trained as a dancer and an actor so okay. then that's where I was originally and then sort of coming out and after a couple of years of <clears throat> excuse me of um teaching and performing and then doing different things I started to get really interested in funding arts essentially so then I went to work um for the arts council and helped them roll out um, a fantastic scheme which was called grants for the arts which was essentially investing into different and um, different art types and um, alongside that I was always I was also starting my coaching training and just really kind of started to work with different people but lots of artists and again helping them take an unclear vision through to a clear vision and then ensuring that they were getting funding oh interesting 
So yeah. that's kind of what you're doing later in life, but you were doing it in a different guise yeah. earlier on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. From there, I then went on to work with what was the community fund, which then became the big lottery. And again, very, very similar. But I started to work more in the equality department um, and just becoming much more interested in essentially again how um, how people were, were handling humans, essentially, like what happened when you made an application? Where did that go to? Um you know, and then the statistics around that. From there, I then um, dived into a very deep um, and large dance contract uh, in Surrey in England and then became a dance development manager for a large county, but raised millions of pounds, essentially, and, and had a team of um, about 35 dancers. And then we would go out and teach and we do lots of things like stopping um, stopping truancy in schools, working with lots of voice projects to get them moving, like taking mm. that unchanneled energy and physicalizing it, essentially. And that has also become such a big part of my work, because if we don't embody what we're learning. Yes. It's really difficult. It's just all becomes too heady, essentially. Um, after then from there, I just I, I was essentially doing more and more fundraising and more and more working for local authorities and, and different projects and then went on to um, London 2012. And so was a, a creative producer with London 2012 and co-created a lot of the torch relay around the southeast region. Oh, wow. The creative programming that happened. And then in four years and um, raised about eight point, yeah, eight point two million for Kent and the surrounding areas through through different um, essentially cultural projects so whether that was developing properties partnerships or legacies then from there we literally kind of fell out of the Olympics like anybody who was working on it it was like survival I remember it yeah it was yeah. like where are all these people going to go because there's so many people yeah. employed wasn't there for the oh 2012 yeah it, absolutely absolutely incredible but then one of the um, one of the producers I was working with also worked in in essentially luxury events and, and fashion being one of those things so I you know kind of had a chat around with people and I kind of gathered um just gathered lots of different opinions essentially about whether I set up on my own or or what to, or you know kind of what ought I to do next so then I decided to go freelance as a luxury producer essentially so then that took me all over the world and working for brands such as Graf Diamonds, Lamborghini, Bentley and Starwood Hotels so I was opening Starwood Hotels and living in the Middle East and in Dubai and then obviously also brought it to, um, to fashion as well so yeah but by the time I got to working in fashion, which is an extraordinary environment of some creativity, there is no doubt about that. But most of it is starvation as well, like that. For literal me, starvation. Literal oh. starvation, but really starvation of self. And, and it was like, it was like, um, it was, there are some really beautiful teams of people that work. But, but my experience as well was that I was literally, my heels were being hacked at as I was kind of just, as I was climbing up the ladder. That's probably the, the best way to describe it. So what I didn't understand then, which I do now, was actually I was under quite a lot of energetic attack. Uh-huh. There was a couple of women who were really out to get me and who just didn't like me. They didn't like that essentially, you know, the heart of who I am is that there'll be a million solutions, everybody, and we'll find one that works. So let's go, you know, and that was very, I think that's quite threatening. And then they perhaps knew a bit more about, say, fashion and design and style, and they just couldn't really deal with them. Probably this, you know, curvier than usual, more colourful, patterned creature that was turning up, you know, kind of kind of every day. Um, 
the boss that I had at the time as well was extraordinary. So she really was. She changed her mind often, highly creative, very influential, extremely powerful. And somehow over a series of months, my self-esteem, confidence, health and, and mental um, capacity were chipped away at to such an extent that I would, if she called me on the telephone, I would basically burst into tears before I'd even answered. Oh her. my God. Look about conditioning. My goodness. Yeah, totally, totally. I was, I was so petrified of having done something wrong. And, and it, in a strange way, it wasn't even about being fired. It was that somehow she created so much power for herself that if I got the job wrong, my fear was that my reputation would be ruined. I would be totally unemployable. No one would hire me ever again and I would lose everything. Like it was wow. an extreme, it was yeah. extreme. And, and is and, this the fashion, work, like the way the world was created within that environment, would you say? Was it kind of fashion per se or I think it's I think it's fashion and I think it's events as well I think that you know kind of I think there's something about events particularly luxury events and high-end retail high-end goods etc where um you know the demand for um launch events and launch products to be just to be so much better than the one that was delivered 10 years yeah. you know it's just that every event kind of is on steroids and, and everything is just greater and greater you know and budgets being you know tweaked and stretched and energy levels and and just all manner of, of personality and self and and you know and I I had long thought my days crying in the in the toilets you know from being a you know a teenager bullied at school and then you know kind of just having had some well actually if I many I could probably write a book actually on um, bad bosses um you know and and sadly the majority of them women as well which you know is 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 a really what is also what I'm really loving about today yeah. you know is that I'm working with so many kind of awake um women but yeah there was just it was just it was because there is this strange mentality that if you're not the best of the best of the best then essentially you're you're somewhere else you don't count so you get forgotten about so you're not going to be hired again so there's such a push mentality. There's such a masculine mentality. I mean, I, I've actually lived that, you know, in the movie when like she's like, gird your lines, she's coming. I've, yeah, I've, everyone runs and hides. Yeah. 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 I've had that with the, with the director, you know, getting off an airplane, getting off the red eye from you know, kind of some, um, you know, Caribbean destination over winter. And then like, you know, kind of literally the office being cleared, like any, any, any food being put away, like, you know, everything being tidied up, like a scrap music being turned off, like a total travel, you know. Um, and then, you know, that being like, is it okay to go and ask such and such? No, don't ask her now. Don't ask her now. Like, da -da 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 -da. you know, like if I was the Anne Hathaway, I had my Emily Blunt. She was like, no, don't talk to her. No, no, wow. no. <laughs> and how long can people survive in that environment? Like, it sounds horrendous. I know. Do you know what? I mean, some people can survive for a really long time, but I would suggest that things like the menopause are going to kick you in the ovaries and that osteoporosis probably won't be far away, along with some yeah. sort of adrenal fatigue, depression or anxiety. I mean, the flip side being, yeah, that I mean, I do love an event environment. I can't, I, I really thrive in that, right, what have we got to do? How quickly, you know, again, I'm very solutions focused. I'm very much like, I don't care how it went wrong. I just care about what we're going to do next. You know, mm -hmm. what do we what do we do about it? So for me, actually being on site, on set, which is why I do so many gigs essentially as well. Yeah, so yeah. the retreats, blush love retreats. 
yeah and yeah and the retreats as well is this for me there's nothing more enjoyable actually than creating something that's originally in the imagination and then bringing it out that's the style side that's that's the style and that's the the bit of fashion that I love but basically I was working on two enormous gigs that that really truly no other producer would have been asked to do these two gigs at the same time with very very high flying clients and it was just incredible. There was like a construction build that was going on. There was like a tasting. I remember the day actually, yeah, with the big construction that was going on for Fashion Week. There was a there was a tasting that was like at the other side of the city. There was product samples that were coming in somewhere else. And I'm supposed to be in all, all these different places, you know, kind of at once whilst being the, you know, like, where's my manuscript? Have you got the Harry Potter manuscript type scenario, <laughs> you know, going on at the same time? Um and then the next, and I was okay. And I'd been for a meeting, I think with one of the clients. And then the next day, um, I just, I, it wasn't even, yeah, I just, I just felt really um, like incredibly unwell. And then as the morning went on, essentially, like um, my lips started to turn blue under my eyes, started to turn blue. My, um, my breathing was only, um, it was, it was only, I wasn't hyperventilating, but it was all the way I was breathing. I wasn't getting any oxygen. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, um, and then in the end, pins and needles started to happen in my fingers and my toes and my feet. And then my legs went basically. Oh. And um, yeah. And so then I had to call an ambulance and um, they were just like, what have you been up to? And, you know, and I was like, yeah. Week. like what are you talking about you know like they just like give me my phones and they were like listen you know we're just gonna do some checks and I was like yeah yeah can I just respond to this email and even in that ambulance back in the ambulance I was still thinking Shh. you know like if I miss wow. this meeting I am go- I'm gonna get fired I'm again I'm not gonna be employed I'm not gonna go anywhere like this is this da 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 so then they were saying I was in and my body was screaming I was in such high levels of pain because to be honest I was probably living on caffeine I might have even been smoking at the time, you know, just as a way of getting fresh air, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, getting out and having a break, yeah. You know, um, probably like a bottle of wine in the office at night that you're in till three o'clock in the morning trying to get stuff finished before you're back. It's amazing how these cultures are created to get kind of you literally to stay for the, you know, I've worked in long like cultures like that as well where you ended up at ridiculous times <laughs> bribed <Yeah>. by booze <laughs> no I know and maybe like you know a slab of chocolate or so like really ridiculous things which is which is just so not what any of us need at the time that we're, we're in that environment and then yes yeah, so I was in the ambulance and, and they basically said um they were like have you taken any painkillers and I said oh, I think I had a couple of paracetamol and they were like um they were worried about my blood pressure and essentially my system and so they, they took me to hospital and they were like um we're, we basically would like to give you some morphine and I was like will I be able to work if you give me morphine and they were like, probably not. And I was like, no, I don't want any. And they were like, but you, and and I was, you know, and the guy was literally like, just give me, give me. And I was like, no, but you, <laughs> you know, and I was like, and then, anyway, they got the, and then we got to A and I'm laughing about it now. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but it's crazy. No, but this is like, a, a but the thing is, which we'll come on to is this is really important. Like, was only three years ago so was that recently goodness so you know if you're fearing shift like just don't you know what I mean just get on the roller coaster because the thing is I I was fearing sadness and vulnerability and 
not being happy and uh, not having um, any time for anything. <laughs> I was already living it. That was my life. I was totally vulnerable. I was completely exhausted. Um, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. I was probably, I was the unhealthiest I'd ever been. Mm. You know, I just had so much fear. And then when I was in, you know, take care of those little kind of cubicles in in A and E, and then and then yeah, my um my uh, now yeah my lovely husband came um sort of a, a few hours later after I'd been you know kind of checked and went, and they were like we really want to keep you in and I was just like no I just don't think that's going to be possible and whilst they were saying that I was saying to James like my husband I was like can you just reply to this email can you pick up that phone and he was like uh, no and I was like can you just tell them like I'm going to be two hours there and they were like no 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 and then sure enough I got I checked myself out. We left A&E and at 9.30 a.m. the next morning, I was in a client meeting. Oh, my God. You know, being like, no. And one of the clients, she pulled me aside and I remember her saying, is everything all right? And I was like, oh, yeah, just a bit of a blip yesterday. And she was like, okay, fine. And then about a week later, she got in touch with me because I think my... um. I think my assistant had said to her, you know, Gail didn't actually have a hospital appointment. She got taken away in an ambulance and she's to a hospital. Yeah, to hospital. And she was like, um, and she was like, no job is worth this, Gail. She was like, oh, what? That's she, great. she was like, we wouldn't be without you. And she was like, but no job, you know, is kind of worth what you're experiencing here. And um, I was like, yeah, but and even then I Wow, still in denial at that point. Totally denial, totally in denial. Yeah, I was like, did it? So then I, so then um, it was a few. I think I um, went to, I did some more kind of production work, and then I think towards the end of that year, um, oh, I then had another basically horrific experience, but this time um, with a a male director who um, had just the bullying was just so um, I couldn't I, I couldn't even like have a conversation so he was one of my voice thieves essentially like when I went up to him I was just you know like and he was just boring that you know he'd never seen such a BS producer and I was the worst thing that had ever walked through the office door and I was a joke and who did I think I was and at that time I was still like oh Shanti that's his stuff not mine I'll just carry on listening and do my job like the good girl act and this you know, this is such a lesson in why being the good girl will kill us, essentially. Um, and then, yeah, the project had got to a, an awful head and um, he had me cornered in a production office on site. And I'd actually got to the point where I'd looked around. And the only thing I could see was my laptop. And I was thinking, if he physically comes to me, I'm just going to have to thwack him over the head with his laptop. Um, and whilst he kindly showed me an email that he'd written to me about me telling me what a waste of space I was and that I should just go and work in a shop or something like that because I was just such a disgrace to the to the industry um and at which point I went right 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 (laughs) and then I had a friend who was working with me uh, on that job went to tell her what had happened 
said goodbye to the crew and they were all like, no, no, like if you go, like this is no, like if you go, this is just. Oh, so you decided that's it. I've had enough. I'm handing my notes yeah. in. You had, that, yeah. that was enough to get you over yeah. the edge. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the crew were like, we're never going to get this done if you're not here. And I was like, well, you'll have to. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. I was like, I'm totally done. And the universe yeah. really pushed you, didn't it? To your limits. Oh, wow. Totally. And let's not forget as well, obviously, that I've had multiple accidents along the way as well, which, um, you know, people have heard me talk about before but I had um, a mountain biking accident where like I saw the inside of my calf and then two years after that I had a surf accident which took the left hand side of my ribs out and um, so that was pretty gnarly um, then I had a skiing accident um, which took my right leg out um, and then I couldn't walk for six months but that one was actually very helpful because I was also in a very destructive and abusive relationship um, and I knew um, and yeah and that one the skiing accident was extraordinary because I really was picked up by the back of the neck and told this is going to hurt but we need you to go in a different direction and you're not listening and then I was picked up and literally like thrown down the mountain I and then I do truly believe that when we're not listening, when we're not, when we're really not listening, the signs yeah. and the, and that get much, much bigger and, and actually can be quite yeah. catastrophic. Absolutely, absolutely. And then interestingly, the, um, the, the, and then I had a, I had a car crash um, like four weeks before I was actually due to get married. We got married in 2011. And um, yeah, I had a car crash and I could feel it coming. It was like the hungry wolf that was behind me. So again, if anybody has that sensation that something is coming, I would really urge you to sit down and just, you know, have a chat. Oh, with listen to me, yeah. Yeah, really listen because it will, she'll come and it will, it will bite basically. And, and, and but that, that was an invitation and it is an invitation, you know, to listen to the self and really trust our, our body and our gut and what it's telling us. And then, yeah, I was sitting at a... Um, a red light and, I, and my eyes flipped to the rear view mirror and um and then I saw this ambulance sort of a little bit in the distance it was you know a red light and then my eyes flipped again and I thought that ambulance is not slowing down and it, and then it became very filmic they drove and smashed into the back of me so that the car kind of crushed in and bumped up um and then um, at the time um, because I was getting married, as my face started to head towards oh the funeral, all I can remember is thinking, not the face! <laughs> <laughs> not the nose! I can't have a broken nose! So I twisted. Oh, no. Then, and so then because I twisted, my head um, ricocheted down to my pelvis because the impact was so crazy. Oh, and, and it was just during the skiing accident, I'd heard my cruciate ligament like pop in the middle of my brain. That's the only way I can describe it. Oh, okay. <laughs> just so well, and the reason I'm telling you that is don't let it get that far. Do not let it get that far. And also then with the car crash, it was like I heard all my spinal nerves and um, tear. And then um, and then like my it was like my my brain um smack the front of the inside of my skull um and then and then yeah just many many other kind of things were going on at the, in the body but I was really blessed because I didn't I didn't break anything and um um it was all soft tissue damage which actually if anybody has been injured or soft tissue is much much really worse wow. but so it, like this is from an outsider just looking in right <laughs> this is what I get they like 
you know, it was like the universe just saying to you, oh my God, you're so going the wrong way, the wrong direction, trying to recorrect you, trying to slow you down. Doesn't sound, and like, when did you surrender? Because you might, to go through all of that stuff, you must have just reached a point and just gone, I can't do it anymore, you know, like, and that's when I think we crack, our egos let go of the control almost. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, and you know, it really was, it was interesting that I think, well, I mean, I surrender daily now, uh, lesson learned also an invitation for everybody just yeah, to say at least once a day because it um I got goosebumps <laughs> definitely yeah just like get out of the way because you know that yeah that um you know the car crash situation which just to to, to finish that actually yeah. the, um, they were empty thank heaven so they could deal with me on site which was uh which was very helpful and um but the driver said her foot she felt her foot had been moved from the brake onto the accelerator, oh and she had, driven, she had driven into the back of me. She was she was at fifty five. Wow! So it's almost like your guides or somebody had made sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was God bless her. She was at, she was mortified, and she was like, "I've been driving for twenty five years." And this yeah, is- an ambulance, Jesus, that's like it's one thing to be hit by a car. It's another thing. At least I suppose they could pick you up and take you on, but. I know, I know it was a thunk. It was an absolute thunk. And yeah, so then that took me back to the same A&E where I'd been in where they were trying to prise my phones out of me. So this time they taped me to a bed because they didn't know whether I'd broken any vertebrae or my neck. Wow. And I was, yeah, I was taped to a bed. And this is all only three years ago. So the transformation, like you've totally, completely transformed your life, your career, yeah. everything in a very short space of time. Yeah, yeah, massively. So I had um, the, um, my... I, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, the kind of the um, the unkind relationship that I had, because I've really come to peace so much with that. And so, you know, sometimes a lot of my clients have come through a level of, a, of a abuse or domestic violence or gaslighting. It's something that I write a lot about. And again, around the voice sleep as well. And so, you know, that was a good decade ago. And, and actually, it was the skiing accident which happened then. And I remember just feeling so the painkillers were so strong they were so strong that my um, ex-partner and I got on because I was so doped basically and so subdued there was nothing in me I was like a shell I was a carcass there was it was like I was empty and again anybody will know that I did kind of been fighting the fight you know and really trying to stay alive and for me I, I felt like I had such a I felt like um, you know, when you put a candle essentially in a in a locked box that only has a certain amount of oxygen, I really just felt like I was that that tiniest of just that flutter of that flame that was happening. I just felt like I didn't have anything left. And my my real kind of full, my fullest surrender was was within that time. And I, I remember just, you know, kind of getting really angry with God. Mm. saying you know like it so by this point I'd had this I'd had the surf accident and the um yeah the bike and the this the ski accident over maybe about five or six years it was every two years I was ending up in the same same A&E that was there Um, and I just remember saying this is not what it's supposed to be like I was like this isn't what I came in for I was like I even thought this relationship you know was some form of mission and I was like I can't do anything I was like I can't fix this other person I said I've totally broken <clears throat> excuse me myself in this process <clears throat> sorry that's me that's because I'm speaking truth so then I'm clearing yeah. clearing my chakras and so just just to sorry because obviously I know this but maybe people listening may not know mm-hmm. so you were in a d- domestic violence uh, 
for quite a long time, abusive relationship for quite a long time. Yeah, so for about three, three and a half years, yes, it was very, um, it was emotionally and mentally controlling, financially controlling and physically and sexually abusive as well. So it was, um, it just kind of took me, everything was very, very controlled, essentially. And, and, you know, in the beginning, there was a lot of attraction and there was a lot of love, I think that of late I've been able to remember that and remember that with a level of fondness that I wasn't necessarily able to do to do in the past but you know it's one of those things you say it'll never happen to you and yet somehow you wake up and suddenly you know I just I remember um there's a really interesting moment I remember wearing about honestly it must be about eight or nine layers of clothes I had like vests and t-shirts and um, track suits and then probably a couple of jumpers and then um, like a couple of dressing gowns I was just I was still trying to protect myself because I didn't want to be I didn't want to be touched and I didn't want I didn't want to appear attractive in any way and actually getting over that um, that hangover has mm. been a lot of work as well you know to reveal myself and to be myself and and to accept that it is safe for me to be seen and that I won't end up you know like that tiny kind of almost snuffed out candle in the in the cell essentially um and yeah and, I, and, I, and a huge level of debt I came up with it um about 40,000 pounds worth of debt that wasn't mine and because of the through this his yeah. relationship through the relationship yeah 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 so all financial control you get another credit card you get a loan you do this you do that and my fear of the repercussions if I didn't or what would happen if I didn't and actually you know I made the last payments um last year and that that's mm. how long it's taken me you know had if I had my time again and I had my kind of I had more mental health and I wasn't in this state of anxiety and and fear that I was when I when I left that um, relationship under police protection, I might add, um, then, um, yeah, then I would probably have gone bankrupt and, and I wouldn't have had to worry about everything. But but my state at the time was that somehow I needed to pay that because it was about me paying my dues. And somehow that was my fault and I had to take responsibility for it. And this is often what happens in abusive relationships, mm. isn't it? You know the 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 victim, whether it's male or female, because gosh, you know there's a there's a lot of guys I know who, God bless them, they've also they've suffered some, oh, some shocking shocking experiences themselves. Um, but you know, I just and and I lost you know I lost a house through it, and it was it was totally bizarre as well because actually the mortgage company couldn't assure me that they could keep my new contact details confidential because it was a joint mortgage wow with your ex-partner goodness me and you know and I just was like and then I was almost taken to court over it so I had a court summons over it and then um and then, you know, I just got in touch. I wrote this very difficult, probably a good 20-page letter with dates outlining every single thing that had ever happened, payments that had come in it or got out. And, you know, and in a strange way, that's the organizer in me. That's the let's find a solution. That's the producer. Mm. You know, that's the lioness as well. You know, let, listen, let me tell you my truth. This is, the tr- this is my truth. And if there's a way for us to find a solution, I would really appreciate it. And, you know, kind of also... Um, yeah, and then last year, it got to a point where I think there was a, a, a final credit card debt, and I think it was with Barclays, and it was probably for about £3,000 or something like that, you know, having chipped away at a much, much larger debt over over many, many years. And um, just one day, again, it felt like another enormous surrender. This is it, line drawn. I have totally had enough. You know, the first one was very much angry. Mm. 
you know, the first one was anger and and just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to make it. I am going to end up dead. Like if an accident doesn't take me, like something else will. And then, you know, I wrote a letter to God saying, this is how I want my life to be. This is how I feel like I, this is why I feel like I've been put on the planet. And I want a really sensible grown-up man as a partner. And I really remember writing and I want him to have a proper grown-up name, something like James. And true story, two weeks later, something like that, after I'd written that letter and had got out and whatnot, then I met this man called James. Wow. Then many, many months later, we started dating. Um, and then, yeah, months after that, yeah, we were um, engaged. And then, you know, as I think I'm kind of getting my life together, then I had the car crash, which was basically the universe saying, listen, you're doing okay in some areas, kid, but we really yeah. don't want you going into a corporate environment every day. You've got these gifts, these talents, yeah. you know, you've been, and all through everything as well. So I trained as a, a Reiki master teacher. I trained in emotional freedom technique before anybody knew what it was. You know, I trained in a magnified healing you know, I'd, um, I was, um, really, it was, um, and I was listening to Doreen Virtue's, you know, um, radio oh, show. When did you start to, kind of, sorry, I'm just interested, because yeah. obviously, when did you start to open up to kind of, like you said, the Hay House, the Doreen Virtue, when did that shift happen? Because you go, because I, I do believe we go from being unconscious to awake and conscious, and yeah. what was it that yeah. triggered that for you? That's such a good question. The thing is, I never didn't have an interest in it. I, w- I came in that way and I was very blessed to come into a family who were spiritualists. So going to spiritualist church as a kid for me was just too oh, much. Okay. I just assumed everybody spoke to dead people. Do you know what I mean? I, was, I, was like, I thought Auntie Lee was always at the dinner table. <laughs> Physically, I just thought that was... Yeah, and I just always kind of... um. For me, it was always, um, I used to, when I was a kid, I'd grab people by the face and I would I would say to them, uh, you know, like, uh, like, face me, face me. And I just really want to see them. And then I, in it, and even as a toddler, I would say like, happy, happy. And I told people by the face and I just want to check that they were really happy, you know. And then the, I think the violence overall of the, of the relationship that I'd been in, it just, it, it, it snuffed my faith more than anything. And I began, I really began to mistrust myself. Then when I had the ski accident and because I'd heard it so clearly, essentially what was what was happening, you know, like you're not listening. So this is going to hurt, but we need you to go in a different direction. But you actually got that yeah. in your head. Like that was oh, what, yeah. what's up? Oh, I didn't realise that. I kind yeah. of, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, and truly, truly, it was, I felt myself being picked up by the scruff of the neck and thrown head first. Wow. East slope. Yeah, no, it was, ve- it was very, it was very real to me. It was very physical. Yeah. I probably would have preferred a bit of a nicer angelic interaction. <laughs> yeah, come to you in your sleep, you know. Yes. Wait, what about all these soft floaty angels I've heard so much Yeah, but I think yeah. they probably tried that, girl, by the sounds of things that didn't work. I think they tried everything, God bless them. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like actually I I could, I could now I feel like didn't you and I can feel them nodding back and going, Yes, yes, we did. You know I, I could feel them then as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they were like, No, she didn't listen. Yeah, yeah, we exhaust we exhausted everything. Yeah. And it was and it was I think what was happening and then I started again to reconnect with Hay House, particularly Dorian virtue so you know a good decade ago or something like that and I just loved her 
I loved her in the sense that she reminded me of when I was a child, you know, because I was very much of the fae variety. I was very much of the fairy gnome unicorn, you know, creature, which have all, you know, essentially come into our consciousness now, which is so fantastic yeah. and so helpful to it. And then, oh, and then also, you know, I had very much grown up with people like Doris Stokes and Betty Shine and Edgar Casey, um, and even, um, you know, Oh my gosh, who are we talking about? Who who wrote um the actress, the American actress, out on a limb or from here to there? Oh, I don't know. Um, oh my heavens. It'll come back to you. <laughs> well, it'll come to me anyway. Um, and then um, Shirley MacLaine, sorry. So Shirley MacLaine, you know, and she was almost ousted from Hollywood for writing essentially about her her God experiences, her love experiences, her angelic and divine experiences. But she was very much a teacher for me when I was growing up. And so was Conan Doyle. You know, Conan Doyle, although he wrote Sherlock, you know, he was also responsible for bringing spiritualism and, you know, mediumship into the UK because he lost his son during the war and he wanted to reconnect with him. So he invested into the spiritualist churches mm. in London and, in, um, and in Brighton. But then they obviously, you know, kind of eked out across the world. So I felt like I was just being asked to remember. I felt like I was being asked to remember why I'd come in and what my natural, you know, um, what my sole purpose was, essentially, mm around to that you know that place of sacred space mm. and of being able to help people and to help people learn how to hold a container so that they are not leaking energy because that's all I was doing for a really long time mm. was leaking energy I was putting everyone else before me I didn't understand what self-care was or if I did I thought it just meant going and spending a lot of money on cocktails and <laughs> yeah none of which fed me which left left me starving you know so yeah. it was like a hungry ghost in buddhism you know yeah. I was so, so hungry all of the time and this is what you know when I when I really when I prayed that day you know about 10 years ago it was that deepest of surrender and it was very similar you know as I've I've come through the last you know kind of few years I've also been you know Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within and also Business Mastery and on the first night of Unleash you walk across hot coals and that for me was another surrender you know it's a yeah. very again it's like a surrender oh. day it's definitely I really honour you, you know, because, you know, when we met in the, the coffee shop, you know, you told me bits about your story, but, and I obviously knew about the domestic violence and about obviously mm -hmm. the uh, Devil Wears Prada, but I didn't realise quite how many, you know, wake up calls or, you know, like rock bottom, bottom moments that you have come through. So, you know, yeah, I, I truly, yeah. truly honour your journey. Um, and for people listening, you know, mm -hmm. I think Gail is an amazing example of what you can do when you do tune in and when you do surrender and when you do let go of the control and anything else that we need to, you know, you start to listen to your own voice because your transformational journey in the three years, you know, what you've been doing and the impact that you've had um, on the people around you is incredible, mm -hmm. really incredible. So I, I would watch this space, young lady. I have got an amazing... <laughs> feeling that this is all just going to just opening up for you as we speak and I can feel that there's massive big things to uh to come for you basically yeah thank you thank you yeah mm -hmm. and I, I think that's um you know that for me is very much also just part of what I teach as well it's essentially you know look I'm a, I'm a girl from Glasgow who's just figured out how to you know get her life on track <clears throat> in a way that's you know pain-free and totally authentic and that means wearing many many colors in different patterns that don't make any sense to anyone else but they totally make sense yeah, to me beautiful absolutely
And that's, that's, yeah, if you're coming to work with me, then that's what you want. You want to find your own pattern and wear it with pride as part of the lioness pride. And then just, you know, go forward strong in your vulnerability with the divine feminine or divine masculine softness of strength. And knowing that, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't have to push. And yeah, and um, sorry. No, it's really interesting because it, you're, you're, it's the, it is the truth. It's your, yeah. um, your, it's yeah. your emotions and the truth, your, your throat chakra, yeah. Totally. And I, I, I sort of think of it, you know, in Charmed, did you ever watch Charmed with the, with the witches? witches yeah. yeah they, they would get given new powers. And I feel, I feel like the throat clearing chakra is my latest power, but I keep kind of saying, can I not get a sexier one? Because <laughs> well, it's, it's quite a sexy, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, you know, the croaky voice, the croaky voice. <laughs> <laughs> different soul tones that happen yeah yeah so yeah but that's you know like a lot of people could just be like why is that woman always clearing her throat whereas I, I I'm really comfortable by saying it's a throat chakra trees moment so that's what's going to happen and I, I find I get the opposite when I'm not speaking my truth when mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be speaking up that's when I get that it's like the universe yeah. saying you're not speaking your truth come on spit it out yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And that's exactly what we're talking about. That's the voice, thief to voice freedom that I kind of coach and mentor in as well. It's really, yeah, annoying because we do, we shove everything down. We just, we hide our words. We hide them in our body. We hide them in our bones, our marrow. It's like, we don't actually even know where the voice begins. We think it begins in the throat, but it isn't. It's just the sound comes out of the throat and the mouth, but truly where it begins is still very much in scientific discussion. Mm. And it's, you know, that for me is also a devotion for life. That's a place of inquiry that I really, really love hanging out. Um, and that's the, that's going to be the first book as well is the, is the voice thief. So that's, you know, yeah, I look, forward, I look yeah. forward to that. And for those of you who want to find out more mm. about Gail, um, we will have all the details of her website, her work, everything in the show notes. Um, but Gail, I just want to thank you for coming on and being so open about, about everything that has happened because I know your journey, your journey and you sharing your journey will really help others yeah. so I really honour you for being so open about it so uh, yeah thank you so much for joining us today it's such a pleasure thank you take a bye Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website, become a member of our exclusive club, and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group, exclusive webinars, and secret success interviews. See you there.